The Dockers, seven-point winners over the Cats down at GMHBA Stadium. And uh, Paul Hazelby, of course, is one half of the run home with Hayes and Mardo. You can hear that on weekdays on SENWA. Hayes, welcome to the show. Um, the Dockers can get it done in Geelong. Why? Well, they like playing on the ground. Perhaps it does suit them. But in hindsight, it wasn't that difficult to obviously select them. Their form hadn't been that great. But they beat them early in the year and they beat them last year down on that ground. So there are some times where you just match up really well against an opposition. They seem to have a bit too much speed for Geelong. And when they bring that sort of intensity and pressure around the ball, they can beat anyone. And I was a little bit... I was pretty happy with their performance against Sydney. I know many people were disappointed, but I saw some signs there... They took that through to Geelong and they got the points. And whilst it's been a disappointing season, if they can keep this going, get close to the eight, I think it does set them up for a pretty good year because they've learned some lessons this year and that's been important. So consistency has been the issue here, hasn't it? At times they played very well. Let's not forget they also beat Melbourne at the MCG. They just had flat spots in games. They've had flat weeks as well. Is this just... Is this indicative of a team that's gotten younger with their list management, or is it deeper than that? It's a little bit of that, but I think early on their game plan was thrown around a little bit. Like They did say that they didn't change too much, but there was a lot of question marks on certain things. So for them, they just need to really work out what is their identity. What are they going to take forward into next season and work on over the preseason? And um, We haven't spoken about Fremantle in terms of their clearance, contested possession, and, and pressure and intensity too often this year so that's going to be the cornerstone but the last couple of weeks there's just been a few signs that they do want to be a bit more aggressive with the way they move the ball and I think Wagner's probably been the yardstick on that in the back half every time he gets the ball he just wants to take it forward I thought Jordan Clark was good as well in that position so you know there's a bit to like but it's going to take a little bit of time to improve on that system you can't just click your fingers sometimes and say we want to play a certain way it's got to happen over time and you've got to believe in it as well and I think if Longmuir can get some success in the back half of this season with four to go, then I think he can really take that through to next season. So that's the way we're going to play. Yeah, it's a good point. And Wagner does take the game on. Um, Alex Pierce gave a great response to criticism of his captaincy, didn't he? He was terrific on Tom Hawkins and Jeremy Cameron at times. Oh, he was enormous. And the scrutiny has been there. And look, you get the sense that he probably hasn't been playing fully fit, but you do wonder whether he's going to be that sort of player that ever plays fully fit. He sort of looked banged up from the minute he walked into the football club and he's had some challenges, but in terms of leadership, that was everything that you want. The challenge now is that that's what a leader should be doing most weeks, beating his opposition and then giving a bit more on the offensive side. I think footy's gone past just having too many guys in the back half. It's a bit like the basketball analogy, and I think I've used it before. If you can't shoot, then the opposition just zone off you and it makes it difficult for the other players that are trying to make the play, like Jordan Clark and Hayden Young and also Wagner. So if he can you know, give a bit more offensively, and he did, he had the 18 touches, I think it, it helps everybody in the team and just gives them more options coming out of their back half. Yeah, that's a really good call. And it also, it changes his attitude and the way he plays the game, doesn't he? If he's, if he's determined to be more offensive, he gets on the front foot more, he gets more assertive, and that even within itself gives them more bounce out of the back half rather than him just trying to be a negative player and, and trying to spoil and negate his opponent. Yeah, I think traditionally he's been just that down defender, back shoulder type, but intercept marks are so crucial. And he started to take them. And Brennan Cox is normally the man that does it 
for that team, but he's been out. Joel Hamling's almost come in and played the more dour shutdown role, which has allowed him to have a bit more freedom. And, you know, he did on the very best against Tom Hawkins, so we know he's been one of the best in the competition for a long time. Just playing with instinct. And I think that's something that just needs to flow onto every team member. But just get back to how you played the game when you were a kid. See ball, get ball, take off, take the game forward. Starts with the captain. He did it and everybody else followed. Joel Hamling's a great story, isn't he? He's played, I think, five games maybe in about four seasons because of that serious ankle problem. What have you made of him since he's come back into the team? He's too good not to be playing in the AFL system, whether that's at Fremantle. I think what he has done is he showed Freo that he's got some work going forward. And I know, I believe he's out of contract, but not only Freo, I think there'd be a few other teams that just would be looking at Joel Hamling saying, we need to play like that. Who, if fully fit, we'll play every week. But if he can just play a role and come on at some stage throughout the season, he's going to be important. And now it begs the question, what about this week if Brennan Cox is fit? Because you can't drop Joel Hamley. I think you keep going with that. I know I've been harping on it, but I think it is the week for Brennan Cox just to have a look at him in the front half. We saw a bit of experimentation with Hayden Young going into the midfield and trying to become a little bit like Luke Hodge in that role. And he played it pretty well, particularly in the first three quarters. But Brennan Cox, I've always believed on the back of what we saw in his second season where I think he kicked, might have been 18 goals, 14 as a second-year player. Not too many Frio youngsters have done that. I'll just have a look at him in the next four weeks. So you've got enough information and data to suggest, well, what do we go forward with with our team and what do we chase throughout the off-season? Yeah, and the, I think the other thing that adds into that, Hayes, is that Jai Amos is starting to get tired, isn't he? I think he's got... Uh, a single goal in maybe the last three or four games he's played. He's still having good moments in game, which shows his potential, but they are fewer and and farther between, and uh, the, the season's just getting a bit long on him. Yeah, look, it's easy to say that sometimes with players uh, in their first year. It looks like he's trying and moving pretty well, but as you get better, and this is always the challenge for great forwards, so does the competition, so does the work they put into those players, they learn a bit more about his leading patterns. They learn that he can lead very quickly. They learn he gets most of his goals probably on the ground. So rather than zoning off too early on a player like that, I think they've smartened up a little bit. But what I did love is was this was a little bit of free of old, their small forwards. And because they haven't had the key targets, a lot of their big wins last year were based on Lockie Schultz and Switkowski and Sturt was good on the weekend and Michael Frederick doing their work, getting up the ground, and trying to get the team over the back using their speed. And that needs to become the cornerstone. Because we haven't really spoken about them too much as a collective group with the forward pressure they've applied and the scoring opportunities that have come from that. So I thought it was a pretty good sign. And Josh Corbett was the other one who is just building in the last two weeks. He probably should have kicked three goals on the weekend. And he's that hybrid type that knows where the goals are and knows how to get free. Yeah, he's mobile enough to add a bit at ground level as well. Looked like they shifted Frederick up to the wing at times, Hayes. Did that happen in your eyes? And and was that a success, do you think? Well, I didn't pick up on it as a pure wingman, but getting up the ground, you know, he shouldn't be any stranger to that because on the way back, nobody's going to beat them. And there was a few times where, you know, Geelong, they were really poor in their defence, to be honest, where they just looked at a player, realised they weren't going to get there, and they didn't give too much to actually defend. But Michael Frederick, Switkowski, you know, probably those two, Schultz particularly in the first half of the season, just been a little bit off from what we saw last year. I thought Michael Frederick could take that next step and become 
one of the, the really good forwards, small forwards in the competition. But, you know, they're going to need all of those players on deck next year to improve again. You mentioned Hayden Young. He did go into the middle. He did play on Dangerfield a bit and did a uh, he played a pretty effective role doing that. Is that something we should see more of, particularly when Heath Chapman returns to footy? Absolutely. And it's, it doesn't have to be all the time. It just It's flexibility. So, so often this year, we talk about Frio, if you win clearance, win contested possession, you win the game. You don't. They found it very hard to move the ball from the back half. So do you have levers in your team to actually pull, to put somebody in that position to change the course of the game? And he didn't look out of place around the centre bounce. In fact, he added a little bit, big body. And if you can you know, work it so that you get that ball in his hands more often than not, he compliments Brayshaw and also Hayden uh, Sarong. So I think there is a bit to like there, but I think, you know, continue to move through different positions. And if they could, you know, have one or two that can do that within their team that might be able to go, even if it's from the back half to the wing or from the front half into the midfield, maybe somebody from the front half to the back half, like a Brennan Cox. I think it just gives you some levers to pull in games when it isn't working for you. But what we did see was also Luke Jackson in the ruck and the hitouts weren't pretty. They got smashed in the hitouts, but... Hitouts sometimes in AFL can be overrated. They did really well in the clearance count on the back of that by doing their homework and all those midfielders getting to work, knowing that it wasn't going to come to them first possession. So how do we turn it over very quickly? And I thought they did that very well too. And Jackson just gives you so much more ground level too, doesn't he? He's so agile. He's great below his knees for a player of his size. So if you've got Jackson in the ruck, regardless of what happens at the hitout, you've got an extra midfielder on the ground basically. And I think that's important in this day and age. We've seen a bit from Bailey Williams for the West Coast Eagles do that as well, that their spread from the contest is pretty good. Um, you know, there's not too many ruckmen in the competition that have absolutely dominated the clearances and the hitouts and doing that. So, you know, Jackson's a unique type that, you know, as he continues to build, it's, it's a great question of where his best pl- uh, place in the team is going to be. I think, I, I think look, um, you know, Sean Darcy is terrific for everything that Luke Jackson's not, so they should complement each other. But unfortunately, both play their best footy in the ruck, and that's going to be a slight conundrum for them. Yeah, no, it's an interesting one to manage going forward, isn't it? Ruckmen like to ruck. Um, they, it, it's almost in their in their nature. They're workhorses, and they and they like to get the, the work into them. You've always been an advocate for Brennan Cox as a forward, and you mentioned it earlier in this interview. What would you do if Brennan Cox is fit to play against Brisbane this week? Does he play back or forward? I'd put him in the forward line, to be honest, just to have a look at him. I think from what we saw in his first couple of years as a forward, he looked like he was tracking pretty well. And then he was switched down back. And look, he's been really good down there. You can't dispute that. He's a great intercept player. But, you know, what do you do with Joel Hamlin? This is where you've got to select a team that complements what you've got. If you've got a position filled, like we saw from Hamlin and Pierce and Ryan, you've got this guy that they can just have a look at. Just... Just get some evidence to suggest, well, at the end of the year, what type of player or the next two years, you know, have we got that, that forward position filled potentially from a guy within our own system? And, you know, they're not going to play finals this year, so why not throw the magnets around, have a good look and make some really strong decisions at the back half of the year. And you've got to make the most of what you've got, don't you? And that's why I wonder whether Frederick is an option to play on a wing more because it does free up a space in the forward line. And Sturt, to me... There's a player in Sturt waiting to get out and he's he's lacked a bit of opportunity because of the other small forwards they've had in the team and uh, just wonder whether create an extra space and Frederick will certainly 
he'll he'll disrupt a lot of team defences with his with his speed on a wing. Oh, he'll get used, and he did get used a few times. But the thing with speed, if you don't get used, you do open up really big gaps. We saw that a bit with Brad Hill when he was at his best running for Fremantle. He just goes so hard, and he just takes an opponent with him. And he, they tire out the opponent too, but they also open up some space for some of those other players and teammates to get involved. So, yeah, it's a, it's a good time for Longmuir. Like, the pressure's not off. I think the scrutiny's going to be there on the back of a an unexpected season. But you get a chance, four weeks, to really have a look at a few different things that may just be in the back of your mind where you've questioned whether it would work. Well, now we get a chance. And then at the end of the season, the targets that they approach from other teams should be dictated by what they see from a few of those different players. And also probably how hard they fight to keep a player like Liam Henry. He hasn't signed yet. I suspect there'll be interest in him from some other clubs. And Fremantle has a decision to make on how hard they go and how much they spend trying to trying to keep him, don't they? What what would be your handling of Liam Henry if you were the Fremantle list managers? Yeah, work out exactly what you think he's worth and stick to it. Like I think, you know, gone are the days where you need to be dictated to by the management groups and, and the player. I think you work out, is there other players around there? And I know they came very close to Jeremy Sharp last year from Gold Coast. And then late in the piece, I think they changed their mind. They went for Jager O'Meara. There's a wingman. He hasn't been playing for Gold Coast. I think Gold Coast were really upset that he looked like he was on his way out last year and they've never really got over that. So, um, you know, there is a, a player that they'll potentially look to bring into that position if he does leave. But like any player, be strong. This is what we think you're worth. And if they go over and above that and other teams can offer more, then I think sometimes you do have to let them go. What did you make of the Cats, Hayes? Are they cooked? Oh, you never write the Cats off, but I think their future doesn't look as rosy right now. I think sometimes, you know, the pull and the lure of winning a premiership keeps you there for so long. They got that, and I think teams have worked them out, and they really don't have a midfield that is and I know it worked for them last year and Blitzarve's a big loss, but it's not a traditional midfield where you have one, two and three star players on any given day can share the workload. It's it's quite unique in the sense that they've got Dangerfield and then it drops away and I Duncan plays a bit of a different role. But I'd never write them off because they play well down at that ground, but I think the competition has caught up to them. Yeah, um and obviously their old players getting injuries now. Blitzarv's got a significant hamstring by the looks of it. Uh, Tommy Hawkins looked like it was a calf or a hamstring. So it is catching up to them a bit. Hey, obviously Lance Franklin announced his retirement yesterday. It's effective immediately. Do you have a favourite buddy moment? And where does he sit, do you think, in the pantheon of great West Australian players? Oh, great West Aussies from when I played the game, from when he entered the competition. He's right up there, probably number one. I, I always say the two best players that I played against were Wayne Carey and also Gary Ablett Jr. Um, but, geez, he's in the conversation. He's a very special talent. He, he just excited people. He had this, this aura about him, this confidence. And he was quite different off the field to the person that we saw on the field, but he could do anything. He could just handle that moment in the game where you needed somebody to step up. Um, not one in particular um, stands out for me, but just a career of highlights that uh, we feel very privileged to be a part of. The fact that he kicked a 1,000 goals, do do you see another player kicking a 1,000 goals going forward? No, I don't. The stat that really stood out for me yesterday when I was doing my research on this was he kicked 47 goals plus in a season 14 times, Duff. 
yeah. 14 times. Like, Fremantle haven't had a guy that's kicked that in the last, since Matthew Pelvich retired. It's just an enormous number. The consistency is there. And, look, he's kicked them from all parts of the ground. He's very, very skilled. And he did it without really being a great mark. That's what stands out for me, is that for a, for a guy that had all the talent, he was a real double grabber with his marks. Imagine if he had that talent and the ability to have that one touch grab that we see from other players like a Hawkins or a Matthew Pavlich type, but you know, geez, he wowed the, the crowds and the fans and uh, very, very special player, Duff. He was. If he'd been able to take a contested mark, I think we'd be talking about the greatest player in AFL history. Paul Hazelby is one half of the run home with Hayes and Mardo. You can hear them on SEN each afternoon, weekdays. Hayes, always a pleasure to chat footy with you on the show. Thanks for joining us. No worries, Duff. Cheers, mate.